0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: So welcome back. Can you hear me okay? Yeah? There's, there's this uh, iconic teacher... His name is Ajahn Semedo and he—he's kind of a giant. If you see him, he's—I don't know—he's maybe six foot two or six foot four, but he looks like a giant. He just, you know, sort of towers over people. And he was the chief disciple of Ajahn Chah, uh, who's a pretty famous uh, Thai forest teacher, who's the teacher of many of our teachers. So Jack Cornfield went to see. I'm telling you this just, just to give you some sense of the iconic nature of Ajahn Semedo. So Jack Cornfield went to see him, to see Ajahn Chah, and Ajahn in, in Thailand, at his monastery. And Ajahn Chah said, "Well, you should go talk with that American. He's in his kuti, up on the hill." So Jack Cornfield made his way back. Uh, up the hill to Ajahn Sumedho's Kuti and he he goes in this little hut that's, that's where they live and meditate pretty much all day long and here's this gigantic man and he's covered with bees and so the story is when he was assigned that Kuti when he got there there was a hive of bumblebees so he just thought, well, they were here before me, so I'm, it's, it's, you know, I'm not about to kick them out. It's their home as much as it is, or more so than it is mine. So, they just sat there and meditated together, and he was just covered with bumblebees. They were all meditating together. So, so that's kind of just to give you some sense of how great he is. Yeah, how amazing he is. And and he became uh, Ajahn Chah's. He was ch- his chief disciple, and he started. he brought Ajahn Chah's teachings to the West and he is the teacher of many of our teachers so here's what he said about letting go the practice of letting go is very effective it is very effective for minds obsessed with compulsive thinking you just simplify your meditation to two words let go let go Just like a mantra in the mind let go. Rather than trying to develop this meditation practice and that meditation practice to achieve this or to go into that, to understand this, or read the sutras or understand the Abhidhamma and then learn Pali and then Sanskrit and then the Madhyamaka and then the Prajnaparamita and get ordinations in Theravada and the Mahayana, the Vajrayana. This is, like, this is his world, his world of, uh, of um, holding on. Instead of reading books and becoming a world-renowned authority on Buddhism, instead of becoming the world's expert on Buddhism and being invited to great international Buddhist conferences, just say, let go, let go, let go. I did nothing for two years every time I tried to understand or figure things out I would just say let go, let go, let go until the desire would just fade out so I'm making it very simple for you to see that instead of getting caught up in incredible amounts of suffering just let go So, I find it fascinating, maybe you will too, that all of our suffering, all of humankind's suffering, was categorized by the Buddha and by other, other Buddhist teachings, categorized into four essential qualities or momentums of the mind. four and their opposites so you could say eight they're called the eight worldly dharmas or the eight vicissitudes so all of, our, all of human beings' sufferings now this was 2,600 years ago so you can assume that if 2,600 years ago all of the human beings then were suffering in these four ways that maybe it was happening at least 1,500 years before that so I just think this is amazing um, they were suffering human beings have been suffering all through time all over the earth in the same way that we suffer and I'm saying this I'm putting it in a broad perspective my, my intention is that if we see this in such a broad perspective that we're not alone we're really not alone we're in the same boat as all humanity, all through time. Maybe that'll, that can lighten our load a little bit and depersonalize it a little bit. I'm just so fascinated by that. I mean, I, I would love to be able to go back and like peek in on their lives and see how they're doing, doing that. I mean, you know what they wore? I don't know what they wore. Maybe they wore bark. Or, um, th- their language must have been much simpler than ours, and um, you know they didn't have electricity or heat or air conditioning or you know just very simple, le- simple lives. But they still suffered. It's all through the Bible. This kind of suffering. So the first one is that human beings want to be liked. We want people to like us. We really want people to like us. And we really get upset if they don't like us. We so much want to be liked, to be praised, to be complimented, to be thought well of, And we get so upset if we're criticized, if we're judged, if we're put down, if we're disapproved of, if someone is like just looking at us in a funny way. We can get so so upset, and we can get so enthralled by just you know being liked. So Chris did this exercise about looking. Looking to the past, it's a great exercise. Looking to people who uh, you cared so much about liking you in grade school. Linda Foster for me. Kay Kotselnick in third grade. Kay Kotselnick had the prettiest eyes. I really wanted her to like me, and Gary Stewart. So who knows where Kay Kotselnick and Linda Foster and Gary Stewart are all of the people that were so vitally important to you in grade school where they are now. I'm 75, so there's a good chance that at least one of them is ashes now. And then all through our lives, you know, junior high school, the people that we so wanted to like us in junior high school and high school and college if you went to college if not work the workplace now reflect on who you really want to like you right now and what's going to be with that person in 10 years they may be ashes but it's so important that that these ashes like you now and how, how painful it can be if they blame you now, or they criticize you now, or judge you now. The second one is um, really just an extension of the, of the first one, but it's in, extended into groups. I remember my daughter, you know, she was just this little angel for me, in my mind. She was just this little, darling, sweet, innocent angel. And then she went up to school and then she'd come home and we'd play and she'd sit on my lap and we'd read and stuff. One day she came home in fifth grade. I was just telling her about this last night. And, uh, she said, "Dad, guess what? I'm popular." I could, you know, I just, oh my God, I felt so bad. Oh no, no, oh no, oh, she's lost her innocence. Oh no, but it was very innocent, you know. Then, you know, she was so happy she was popular. For some reason, the popular girl had decided that Molly was now her best friend just decided she just you're my best friend and so now Molly automatically becomes popular and Molly had this very curly blonde hair that uh, she later considered to be a uh, what is the word Uh, anyhow a a hindrance (laughs) very curly Um, so her hair is straight now magically um, but uh, she was voted best hair because they had you know she was popular they had to vote her something right so she was best hair. so we want to be popular right we want to be popular we wanted to be popular in grade school think of that group in junior high school it was so important that you were part of that group and if that group you weren't popular with that group you found another group to be popular with. Maybe the nerdy kids was the group that you wanted to be popular with because the fast kids, you weren't gonna make it with them, right? So, so this is, this is um, a vicissitude. This is a real painful situation that we stick to this, we stick to this wanting, wanting to be thought well of by whatever group that we're in. And our groups change. They change. My group was, ten years ago I played a lot of tennis. So I was part of this whole group of tennis players and we played in tournaments and, and um, I wanted to be thought well of in that group. Then I had a something with my knee and I couldn't play tennis anymore, so that group doesn't matter to me a bit anymore. I don't I might see them on the street someplace, but uh, it's not that important what they think of me. So what groups are you part of right now and how important it is? for you right now to be thought well of by that group? And what would happen to you if that group that probably won't even exist in your mind or heart 10 years from now, and maybe didn't exist in your mind or heart 10 years ago, if that group thought ill of you? How painful that would be to feel like an outsider in this group that you want to be an insider in. The pain of being an outsider it was just the same in Buddha's time just the same isn't that something those people much shorter than us I'm sure so different from us the Egyptians medieval times the third one is um we want to be a success. Whatever we're doing, and what you're doing now is not what you were doing when you were in junior high school or kindergarten or high school, but whatever we're doing at the time, we so much want to be a success and we're so afraid of being a failure. For some of that, uh, us that way, it was very, you know, pressure filled in school school, you know just getting good grades in school I know there there are other ramifications of that but still we really wanted to be a success in something sports school the kind of work you're doing I want to be a successful Dharma teacher now I'm happy I'm happening to teach Dharma right now I've done a lot of work on letting that go I wanted to be a success as a tennis player. I had a restaurant. I wanted to be a su- so you know we all have the things that we want to be successful at and that we really don't want to fail at. I really want to succeed at this vocation that I'm doing, and it would really bother me to not succeed, to be a failure. For the customers not to come in. For the clients not to appear. To get bad reviews on Yelp. This guy's not very good at what he's doing. He's a bad chiropractor. Painful. Are uh, any of you identifying with these? Things or just making sense to you? These these different vicissitudes are they? Can you? Yeah. And the last one is um, we want sensual pleasure. It's called sensual pleasures. So sensual pleasures. It's kind of like tastes. Pleasures of the eye. Pleasures of hearing but it extends beyond that it's to comforts we want a nice house a nice car we want to go on a nice vacation we want nice clothes we all have clothes that we think are nice and we're afraid of having of not having those things we feel like we don't have enough not enough not enough money to get the nice stuff so we kind of kind of organize our lives around getting nice stuff we organize our lives around making enough money to get that nice stuff it's a big deal to us it's a a lot of what we think about what we're going to do next that's going to be pleasant and maybe maybe getting upset if it's not if we don't get what we want or what we think we need. <coughs> There's this teacher, again, he's a teacher of many of our teachers. His name was Upandita. <clears throat> and he taught very complicated uh, meditation methods and complicated practice progressions and someone came to him um, toward the end of his life one of his students and she asked him what does he practice now and he laughed and he said oh I just practice two things when I breathe in I say to myself I'm going to die and when I breathe out I say to myself everyone's going to die so that's a good perspective in a way to uh, you know help us um, release a little bit of this letting go and to see that you know we're attached in this huge historical our our attachments are in this see them in a huge historical context people all over the world all through time, attached in the exact same way that you're attached today. And Buddhists and spiritual practitioners all over the world, all through time, trying to let go of these attachments. All over the world, Buddhists are practicing, meditating, trying to let go, and other spiritual practitioners to let go of these painful painful adhesive sticky holding on to things that make us suffer so um, if you don't mind um, sharing with each other some of some of your stickinesses let's get into groups of four and if that would be okay if you don't feel like you want to reveal anything like that to anybody that's that's fine you can just pass Yeah. So just like we've always, we've been doing all along, just go around, you know, maybe uh, I'll ring a bell after a few minutes and then go to the next person, but one person sharing whatever you'd like to share of, really, it's your problem, sharing, this is, this is my problem now, this is what I'm, hold-, because that's what our problem is, our problem is what we're holding on to, um, so whatever you want to share of what, what that is for you right now. And or yeah, what you've been wrestling with. And so anyhow, the first one, go. Okay, if you could finish up and then just come back to the circle for closing now. Do we have any room for discussion of this?
0: Yeah, sure.
1: I just want to read one one little quote here. Uh, This is from a a great Tibetan Rinpoche. Renunciation implies the strong wish to free oneself not only from immediate sorrows but from the seeming endless cycle of conditioned existence. And with this renunciation comes, and I love these words, comes a heartfelt weariness and disillusionment with the endless quest for gratification, for approval, for profit, and for status. Yeah. Yeah. Renunciation implies the strong wish to free oneself not only from immediate sorrows, but from the seeming endless cycle of conditioned existence. And with this renunciation comes a heartfelt weariness and disillusionment with the endless quest for gratification, sensual gratification, approval, profit, And status and when Chris was talking earlier in her guided about we really have to be released we don't we can't really let go the the real letting go comes from some other something else releases us but it comes from this heartfelt weariness this just isn't this just isn't working for me you know this this uh, This hurts. You know, just really feeling the hurt, feeling the ouch of this attachment, letting ourselves feel it, and then something, it it leaves room. A voluntary release, working on it, is good practice, but what really helps is you don't even know how it happened, but you just don't care about it anymore. Or you care less than before. So, please... Share, share share your experience we'd all love to hear
2: well I'm, I'm really glad that you were saying what you did David that um, uh, that you know it helps to get in touch with the the suffering um, that was coming up in our group a lot and and uh, um, several times there was just this cry of "I really want to let go of this thing <laughs> and you know you know mine was uh, uh desire for approval from well you know just just that desire for approval one um oh how I would like to let go of that because uh, you know for among other things because of all the suffering um yeah and 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 i guess my my question is though that sometimes it seems like then i get <laughs> i get hooked on letting go uh the
1: desire to let go
2: the desire to let go yeah yeah i yeah, was kind of hearing that when i was saying these words yeah, you know yeah. that and, and so you answered your own question. Yeah. Uh, how have I answered it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you need to let go of that too. Yeah. Uh, you need to let well, go. that's of what, right. Yeah. I realized that. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. um, it's it, as you say, it's not something that that I do yeah. necessarily. It's just and and feeling the desire to let go is not is is not counterproductive, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. It's, it's really so it's really helpful. Yeah. 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 And
1: feeling that desire to let go, and the, yeah, and, and then the, and then the agitation of that, right. And, and then letting go of that. Yeah.
2: And uh, yeah. And, and then all um, part
1: of the process.
2: Yeah, and then feeling the pain of that, uh, or as agitation, as you yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah, you. And,
1: and then, you know, deeply, 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 the you know awareness, the unconditioned is supporting us. So it doesn't matter, in a way, it doesn't matter if we're attached or we're not attached or we want to let go, you know, because, because fundamentally we're not. We're just aware. So
2: Fundamentally
1: we're not attached. Fundamentally this... we're just aware. Okay. You know, we're just aware of the ouch, the release, everything. So to have the awareness as a fundamental frame of reference which allows us to do anything, be anywhere, think anything, feel anything, in the peace and the peacefulness and the contentment and ease of that frame of reference, awareness. Okay, I think nobody else can share.
0: I just, I just wanted to say one thing about, if I may just add one thing to what what we're saying here. It's not only the letting go happen but the the habit itself is just happening you know and so you can in a way things we want to let go of the more we want to let go that turns into aversion to the thing it it takes it it, it gives it too much substance you know and it, you take it too personally like there's something wrong with me that this thing is happening so it's also very, very helpful, and this is kind of leads into next month's topic about wisdom, to just see that these things are simply little events of mind and body rolling along, you know, and not get too wound up, even if you care about approval, so there's caring about approval. But if you can see there's caring about approval again without needing to make a big deal of, I have to let go of this, then it's just a little habit and it's over before, you know, you've moved on, you will move on in the next five minutes, you know. So in a way, you can make too big a deal out of trying to make a project to let go of these things and just uh, just see them as conditioned habits of the mind and body popping up again, you know. No need to, no need to hate it, just, you know, take it less seriously is another way of letting go.
1: <laughs> There's this great quote from T.S. Eliot: uh, "To care and not to care, at the same time, to care, to care deeply, and to completely not care." Um, so we could take another five or ten minutes. Do do people want to do that or not? Nope. Got to get going. Yeah, Got to get going. Okay. All right. So.
0: Okay. Well, I guess I just did say that we're going to take up wisdom next and it follows on from this very uh very nicely. So, um boy, what is wisdom? We don't know. We talked about it a lot. We have four weeks of mailings on various subjects and all kinds of subjects get taught under the topic of wisdom in Buddhism. So, we'll we'll try to do a little bit of introduction to each of them over the next four weeks and then uh, you know, wisdom grows as you as you as you let go of Clinging to a lot of stuff that really doesn't matter, it gives some room for things that do matter to rise up, and you know you get wise. <laughs> so so uh, we'll be exploring this topic next month. Thank you. Okay, have any last stay, words?
1: stay for lunch if you have brought your bag of lunch, or just have tea with us. Yeah, yeah.
0: hang out if you can.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Bye.
2: So yeah. yeah if see if we can you put are the chairs.
0: Fired move the chair.